Hello and welcome to this podcast, uh, wrapping up our recent board meeting that took place from the 31st of May until the 2nd of June. I'm Sonja Horn, the Communications Manager of the IFRS Foundation and the ISB, and I'm here today with Ian McIntosh, who is the incoming chair, vice chair of the ISB. Ian has been with us for the past uh, three months, March, April, May, June, yeah, that's about right, and has followed the board meeting, so um, that will certainly ensure continuity after, um, after David Tweedy's departure. And I'm also joined by Alan Tishira, the director of, of our technical activities. Um, Alan, to start, um, maybe you want to give us a quick overview of what happened this week, what were the big topics? Thanks, Sonia. Um, the meeting was held over three days, as you indicated. Uh, they weren't full-day sessions, so but mainly the afternoon, because uh, a lot of that was to accommodate the US-based uh, FASB, and we had several sessions with joint ones with them. The, the main issues we looked at this week were, were leases. We had a couple of decision-making sessions there. Uh, insurance, we had a look at reinsurance, and uh, then on hedging. Hedging was one we did by ourselves, and then we also had an offsetting session with the FASB, mainly education. So, in essence, these are just MOU projects, the last major ones, as we head towards wrapping up those projects. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about what you did in leases? Yeah, thanks. Um, they weren't major issues. Um, those are coming up in, uh, in our main part of the meeting in June. What we did have a look at is uh, foreign exchange differences, uh, a little bit of a look at impairment, Revaluation re uh, and then residual value guarantees. Um, in the first couple of issues there for foreign um, foreign exchange differences, what the board decided is that they would account for foreign exchange differences related to the liability. So that you, when you, you basically make a, a payment and there's a difference between the check you write and the amount that uh, comes up because it's expressed in a foreign currency, that goes to profit or loss. And that's, that's consistent with the way that we deal with um, other or similar liabilities in IFRS and uh, US GAAP, uh, and uh, unanimous agreement on that. Um, we also had a look at impairment, and we discussed the right of use asset. And, and essentially, again, we agreed to, to live with existing guidance in IFRS and US GAAP, rather than creating anything special for, okay. for, for leases. Um, the ISB, we actually allow revaluation of some assets um, in IS16, for example, which is our property plan and equipment standard, uh, as well as um, the investment property standard. And essentially, we, uh, the, the ISB, because it, um, it relates to us, uh, decided to basically affirm the proposals that would let people revalue those assets uh, in the similar way that you would with equivalent property plan and equipment. Uh, perhaps the biggest discussion then was residual value guarantees. Uh, and essentially, what was decided there is the amounts you expect to pay under residual value guarantee, they're included in the measurement of the lessee's right of use asset, so that's the extra amount you pay at the end, um, and you amortise those basically on the same basis you'd um, amortise the rest of the right of use asset, so it gives you a similar um, pattern on, on that. Um, and as I said, the major issues will be coming up in June. Okay, so we are looking forward to the June meeting. Um, now, let's talk about insurance. Uh, we talked about reinsurance as far as I'm aware. Yeah, maybe you can wrap that, that up a little bit. That's right, Sonia. We got into a uh, reasonable, reasonable amount of detail on reinsurance, um, uh, getting down to the nitty-gritty. So that the basis on reinsurance, of course, is you don't have a reinsurance contract unless you transfer significant insurance risk. And so 
We had quite a long discussion and reached tentative decisions on what makes up significant risk, the transfer of significant risk. And it's uh, if substantially all of the insurance risk relating to the reinsured portions of the underlying insurance contracts is assumed by the reinsurer. That's almost a statement of the obvious, but it needs to be said. And unless the economic benefit transferred to the reinsurer for its respective portion of the underlying policies is virtually the same as the economic benefit previously held by the sedent, you don't have a reinsurance contract either. So you've got to meet some criteria and you've got to be really transferring mm. the risk across and giving them the benefits. Um, we had a look at when the sedent, the person giving the reinsurance contract over, um, should recognise an insurance asset, and that depends a bit on the circumstances and the type of insurance that's being reinsured. And we also had a good discussion um, with some agreement on how the sedent should estimate the present value of the fulfilment cash flows, so how they bring all this together. Um, and then finally, we had a look, what do you do if the reinsurer looks like it mightn't be able to perform? And uh, there are a number of decisions made there. Um, basically, you should apply the impairment model for financial instruments when you're looking at the asset, so that there's not a special model, it's the general model. Um, you should look at all the facts and circumstances, including the collateral. There was some discussion that maybe collateral shouldn't be taken into account, but the board's agreed that it should. And uh, losses from disputes, so if you're getting into disputes with your insurer, should be reflected in the measurement of the recoverable, as you would also expect. So those were the major issues that were covered in the reinsurance discussions. Right, that sounds as if we have made good progress in the topic. Um, we also talked about, uh, the board also talked about hedging and offsetting, and both with education sessions, I assume. Uh, Alan, maybe you want to start talking a bit about Yeah, that? I'll talk about hedge accounting. Um, these were the ISB decisions because, um, as you're aware, the general hedge accounting model that we've been developing um, it has been done um, by the ISB rather than uh, jointly with the FASB um, because we were in different phases when we started a project, unfortunately. Um, this time we looked at four different topics, um, accounting for the time value of options. Uh, we looked at uh, designating combinations of options as the hedging instrument, rebalancing, and uh, the last one, just check my notes, voluntary discontinuation. Um, the difficulty with these subjects is they are very technical. Um, so I think it, we're not going to go through these in a lot of detail, but you'll find that if you go to the website and get the ISB update, which we expect to have um, on the website to early next week, we've deliberately actually tried to make these as, as rich as we can in terms of um, giving quite detailed uh, technical explanations because of the specialist nature of this. Um, so perhaps if I start with accounting for the time value of money, um, Essentially, what the board discussed is whether the time value um, related to options should always be expensed over the life of the option instead of applying the accounting as proposed in the ED. Some people said that we should actually spread it over the life, but the board rejected that um, essentially because it means the accounting outcome it doesn't align um, with essentially the, um, the hedging exposure that you've got. So we looked at it, whether we could do some simplifications in terms of differentiating between transaction-related and time period-related hedge items. Again, the board um, didn't think that was helpful because it creates some inconsistencies in the accounting. So essentially, the, uh, the board ended up uh, confirming um, that the 
they should stick with the ED requirements. Uh, that was 13 to 1 um, in, in favour of doing that. So um, we, we understand the concerns that were raised in the comment letters, but uh, the board's decided that at this stage the direction is that we should um, stick with the, the accounting for time value options as proposed. Okay. And interestingly, Alan, the uh, co designating combinations of options as a hedging instrument was also 13 to 1. That uh, this was dealing with the situation where you can have more than one contract um, as a collar contract, they often enter into, say, two separate option contracts that, in effect, achieve the economic outcome of a collar con contract. And the question was, can you regard them as one when there's two? So there was discussion and tentatively decided by the majority that I mentioned uh, to amend the requirements so that a combination of written and a purchased option can be jointly designated as the hedging instrument, provided that the combination's uh, not a net written option. So it's opening the door for that, and it seemed to be uh, solving a problem that was out there. Okay. Right, so rebalancing was the, the, the next item as well. Essentially, there were two issues there that uh, we get some feedback on the proposals. Now, the first was whether rebalancing should be either mandatory or voluntary, and then what's what the frequency of rebalancing should be. And the second is what the scope of the rebalancing provision should be. Um, Essentially, the board did note, you know, at the start of the, the meeting, that the whole notion of rebalancing was introduced as a complement to the new hedge effectiveness assessment. Um, it was mainly to address requirements for the hedge ratio after designation of the relationship. So, again, you know, we've got quite detailed notes explaining this in an ISB update. Um, essentially, what the board decided is that uh, after the start of, of a hedging relationship, an entity would rebalance that hedging relationship for hedge accounting purposes if it adjusts the quantities of the hedging instrument or the hedge item in response to changes in circumstances that affect the hedge ratio um, of that hedging relationship. In other words, if it's adjusted for risk management purposes. Uh, the whole purpose of this is that basically we're trying to say that rebalancing only covers adjustments to the quantities for the purpose of maintaining a hedge ratio. So it's, it's about if you're adjusting to maintain effectiveness, mm -hmm. that's when you rebalance the portfolio. Um, so, um, again, I'd, I'd encourage people to go and uh, have a look through the notes on the ISB update. And the last topic we uh, discussed on hedging was voluntary discontinuation. And in the ED, um, you're not allowed to voluntarily discontinue the hedge. And uh, there was mixed feedback on that from the ED. Uh, some argued that voluntary discontinuation should be allowed given that hedge accounting is optional. Others thought that the proposals in the ED should be kept, but then they asked, could we clarify the interaction with the risk management objective and the risk management strategy? Uh, quite vigorous debate on the issue of whether you should have voluntary discontinuation or not, um, but with the 13-1 vote yet again, uh, it was decided to confirm the proposals in the ED and hence prohibit voluntary discontinuation when the risk management objective remains the same and all other qualifying criteria are still met. So that's the tentative decision being taken forward. It was also decided to add guidance on uh, how the risk uh, management objective and the risk management strategy related. Yeah, there's a continuing theme on this, I think, Ian, isn't there, that there would seem to be very, very strong support for the, for the proposals in principle, 
um, most of what we're discussing is about um, the way it's been um, implemented in terms of the actual words in the standard and, and there's this debate about how much more guidance we, do, we give and, and just yes. getting the wording right because I think people, some people struggle with some of the wording in there. Yes, within the context of general happiness with the overall totally. ED. Exactly. Um, there, we mentioned before that there were uh, educational sessions, so we had external guests that spoke to the board. Might be worth to mention a little bit what was the focus of these discussions? Well, we did have some very good educational sessions on offsetting, and we had the International Swaps and Derivatives Association came along, uh, both in London and in Norwich, so we had them on each side of the... Uh, the video screen, and they set out for us in a, a very comprehensive manner um, how these uh, transactions actually work, how the market deals with them, and so we got some very good hands-on instruction and education on what really goes on, and uh, I mean it's, it's very, very useful to the boards to have this uh, practical mm. working experience right in front of you as you're considering these very difficult issues. Yeah, the other one we had a, an education session for was on macro hedging. We had oh, yeah. some representatives from banks in there. Um, and j just to recap, it's very important for us um, before we finish our general hedging model that we actually make sure that uh, we develop much further our macro hedging proposals because we want to make sure that they're consistent. Uh, and so getting, again, you know, as Ian said, it's really helpful to get representatives from organisation actually working with us yeah. and, and understanding what their thinking is about how they manage risk and uh, how they manage risk in a portfolio sense and so on, that um, it's very helpful input to us. So, we, again, we had a, another very um, useful session that was on uh, the 1st of June. Well, very full days. Um, is there anything else that no. we didn't uh, talk about? Um, just We did have a, a revenue section um, early in the week uh, essentially, it's a, a non-issue in a way because of the way the outcome went, but we discussed uh, a very important issue which is to do with the cost relative to revenue because uh, the project on revenue recognition is about that top line, what revenue is, mm -hmm. but um, it's very hard to uh, disconnect that and a lot of people's thinking about some of the costs that go with that. Um, and we have, un um, unfortunately, the US GAAP requirements and IFRS requirements aren't always aligned on, on some of those cost issues. Uh, and we had a look to see, particularly to do with program accounting, and the sort of issue is that um, when you've, you're producing something, um, significant asset, it's a lot of learning going on. And you know, classic example is aircraft, where the first aircraft you build, you're going to learn a lot more about uh, how to build them more efficiently from then on. And, and so program accounting and how you think about the costs associated with that is very important to those, um, those particular industries. But that would have been a major extension to the scope of the project um, and essentially the, the boards decided that there was an imp there were important issues but that should not um, uh, come within the scope of revenue recognition. No, there was a suggestion though that we should take a new project on to deal with those matters. Um, and of course we should consider that but it, uh, it was pointed out at the meeting that the ISB is about to enter into a major consultation on its agenda going forward. So whenever we think of a new project, it has to be within that context. And uh, and for all of you listening out there, in the next few months, a document should come out asking for your views. And uh, we'd really like to hear your views. We'd really like to encourage you to respond uh, to that document, which should be out sometime in July, probably. Right. So if there's nothing else to add, then I think this was it for... 
this week's uh, webcast. But uh, Alan, maybe you want to still point out what's coming next. Sure. Thanks, Sonia. Um, the, the next major meeting, there's nothing scheduled for public discussion um, in the week coming up, but in the week of 13th of June uh, is our next major session. And uh, just to give people a sense of the way the, the agenda is planning out at the moment, we expect to have the FASB will be physically in London on Monday the 13th of June, so we'll be having joint sessions from uh, around about uh, lunchtime, uh, late morning to lunchtime. Leases, insurance contracts uh, are high up on that agenda. Um, we continue the joint sessions on Tuesday. Um, first thing on the Tuesday, though, we've got uh, EFRAG, representatives from the technical uh, experts group, will be meeting with, with some individual, uh, some board members in, the, in a public session. Um, and after that, we'll get back to the decision making with the FASB. Uh, one item that will come up on the agenda that hasn't been around for a long time um, is in, uh, basically is the investment company issue. In that, or investment entities, in that we've got an exposure draft we expect to get out before the end of June, um, proposing a potential um, exception to consolidation. Mm -hmm. So we've got a sweep issue session there be, um, before we go to vote on that. Um, so essentially, and I think we're looking at finishing the public meetings on Wednesday uh, if we can. Um, and uh, so it's Monday to Wednesday, um, 13th, 14th and 15th of June. Great, and people yeah. can register or listen uh, to these. And sessions via the uh, internet. And it might be their last chance to see David Tweedy chairing the uh, board because yes. he retires of course on the 30th of June. Indeed. Well, thank you very much Ian and Alan for this uh, podcast. As always before we end, the usual disclaimer. The views that were presented here are obviously those of the presenters and are not necessarily the official views of the ISB. For more information, please refer to the ISB update that will be published on our website in due course. And more information on the single uh, areas is available on the respective project pages. Um, all that on www.ifrs.org. Thank you very much. Thank you.